Hey, I'm glad you're here. As you saw when you came in this morning, we are signing up for community groups today. You don't have to sign up today, but we would encourage you to sign up today. We sign up for the next couple of weeks. Community groups actually start the second week in September. And here at Fellowship of Grace, community groups go basically the nine months of the school year. Uh, we meet weekly, and we'll talk more about that here in just a little bit. But I wanted to talk today about why be in a community group. And I know that most of the time around here, we are going through books of the Bible verse by verse. And, and that's incredibly beneficial to us. It helps us to really uh, connect with the whole counsel of God when we do that. But there are times when I think it's important for us to kind of uh, collect passages that are, are true and uh, uh, kind of connect with each other and put them together and say, this is what God is really telling us collectively. And so uh, I want us to talk today about why be in a community group. So I'm going to just share with you four reasons that I think it's really important for you to be in a community group here at Fellowship of Grace. First, it provides a structure for the church being the church. Now, if you've been around here any time at all, you know that we make a really big point of this all the time, that the church is not the building. Yes, we use that term in our language. We're going to go to church Sunday. We're going to get the kids and take them to church, and nothing wrong with saying that, but it's important that we understand that this building, this brick and mortar, studs and carpet and paint, this is not the church. The people of God are the church. The body of Christ is the church. And so uh, one of the things that community groups do is it gives us a structure for really participating like the church should participate in our context here at Fellowship of Grace. Now, other churches have other types of small groups and uh, some that are a little more kind of old school like I grew up. They have Sunday school on Sunday mornings and, and other churches have maybe a Wednesday night service where they come to the church and they bring break up in small groups. There's all kinds of different ways to do it, but it's really the principle of being in small groups. Look what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Here's what it says. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, small groups provide the perfect place to do the three things it's talking about here. Love one another. Uh, certainly, when you come on Sunday mornings and you are here, we can, we can certainly act in love towards one another. But let's just be really honest. It's really hard to build a deep relationship with somebody for coming to church on Sunday mornings. Uh, you might come a little early, and now that we've got this beautiful lobby out here, you might come a little early, grab some coffee, talk to some people, hang around after the service a little while, and it might connect with some people on, on kind of a surface level, but you're not going to really become deep friends. Let me tell you, I have people in my life who were in my community group 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, that are still my closest confidants. People that, a couple of men that I talk to, that... Um, uh, I go to when I need somebody totally outside of my sphere to talk to. These guys I've had and met in community groups, in some kind of small group, whether it was Sunday school or, or something, you know, uh, that the church had. Um, so it's, it's, while we want to love one another here in this big group, it's, it's more important as we get to know each other to build relationships that are deeper and more important than just the large group gathering. We can also show hospitality to one another. Uh, doing it in homes allows uh, somebody who's hosting it uh, to show incredible hospitality. As, as we take turns bringing food and sharing it with others, uh, that's another great opportunity to show hospitality to one another. 
We also get to uh, serve one another as we take turns doing snacks and meals and, and all that kind of thing. And then we get to know each other. And then we get to really serve each other in a deeper way. Now, it's just a, a common thing in every church I've ever been in, in every pastor I've ever talked to, of every church I've ever heard of, that people in churches are reluctant to share needs that they have. If we have a widow in our church whose deck is falling apart, uh, she will be reluctant. She doesn't want to be a burden to the church. She doesn't want people to go out of their way for her, and she'll be reluctant to share that. But if she's in a community group and uh, she shares that, or better yet, they're at her house and the deck falls down while a few people are on it. Now, it's never happened, okay? You know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to say, hey, they're going to call her and say, hey, pastor, uh, can we help this lady? And we'll get in touch with the deacons and, and, and we'll, we'll figure out how to help this person. We'll minister and we'll serve her in a way that's so much greater than we really get an opportunity to know each other and serve each other on Sunday mornings. This is an important thing. The big gathering on Sunday morning is a huge important thing. You'll see that here in a moment. Uh, but it's also important uh, to have these small groups where we can really get into each other's lives and get to know each other. Now look what it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. This is the early church. Uh, this is on the day of Pentecost, right after that. Uh, the apostle Peter preaches this rip-roaring sermon. It's incredible. It's uh, probably one of the most uh, well-known sermons in all of the scripture. And then look what the church does. Look how they respond. Because these are the attributes that really every church, every New Testament church should have. Look what it says in Acts chapter 2. It says, so those who received his word, Peter's uh, preaching, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs, I'm sorry, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Look at the things that the early church devoted themselves to. And then look carefully at where they did it. That's important. It says, yeah, keep in mind, there's 3,000, 3,000 brand new believers just got baptized, just heard the gospel, just heard the good news of Jesus, just gave their lives to Christ, and they're devoting themselves to these things. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. We would equate that today to the word of God. The apostles' teaching, teachings wound up being the New Testament, and we have the word of God. They're devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to, to really uh, having their lives connected. They were devoted to sharing meals, to praying for one another. They were devoted uh, to uh, each other in a way that they, they shared what they had in common. And they were caring for those in need. And they were doing all of this, if you look at the passage carefully, it says daily in the temple and house to house. It wasn't just one. It's going to be almost impossible for us to do all of these here on Sunday mornings, but we can do them all uh, on a week-to-week -week basis in a small group. 
Uh, by the way, I don't want anybody to panic and think, oh, they're going to ask me to be in a community group, and then they're going to ask me to sell all my property and give it. We're not doing any communes here. Uh, that's not what that's all. What this is talking about is uh, on the day of Pentecost, uh, there were a bunch of people, uh, mostly Jews, in, in Jerusalem for the Passover. They'd heard the gospel. they just heard this sermon that Peter gave, and they gave their lives to Christ. They had anticipated on coming, staying for a week and going home. Now they stayed for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, two months, four months. We don't know how long. But they basically came, you know, think about it. If you went, uh, if you went on a week's vacation to Disney World and you decided you loved it so much, you were going to stay three months. That would change your plans a little bit, wouldn't it? You'd have to figure out a way to pay for that. You'd have to figure out, you hadn't planned to do that. And that's kind of what was happening here. And that's why those in the church were selling their property and things and saying, listen, I want to take care of these people who are here because of the gospel who have given their lives to Christ. So don't panic. We're not going to ask anybody uh, to, to sell property and everything to help people in your, in your community group, unless God, of course, leads you, all right? Uh, but listen, the one another's, the one another's are best accomplished in small groups, while some, we can come here on Sunday mornings and we can certainly love one another. We can, we can act in love towards one another. I hope you act in love towards one another. I think you do. We can certainly be kind to one another on Sunday mornings. But some of the one another's, there are 59 in the New Testament, uh, some of those are best accomplished in a smaller group. Like confess your sins to one another. I can't even imagine having a Sunday morning that we're going to call Confession Sunday, and we're just going to have a big line of people right here, go all the way down this aisle, and out to, and we're just come up one by one and just confess your sins, and then go on to the next. The next one will come. We're not going to have. We're not going to do that. Okay. First of all, we'd all lose our minds, uh, and, and second of all, it's just not healthy. All right. But you know what? If you're in a community group where you're with three or four other couples, you've established a relationship with them. You built up a friendship with them, a place of trust, and you can say to them, hey, you know, my, my wife and I are button heads. Man, I mean, we love each other, we're going to stick together, but man, we're struggling. We're struggling. That's a great place to, to, to share your sins, to confess one another. Hey, I, sometimes I treat her like a jerk. That's a great place to confess because they're going to say, okay, we love you, we forgive you, stop being a jerk, let me help you figure that out. We can pray for one another. Now, we certainly pray here on Sunday mornings, but, but we don't know everybody's needs. But here's what I do know. As many people as there are in this room, there are that many needs. And some of them, I know, are deeper and more painful and, and just private than you would ever want everybody in this room to know. But if you have two or three or four trusted friends in a community group, you could share those things and they could pray for one another. You need to honor one another above yourself. Again, a community group, a small group is a great place to do that. Instruct one another. We're going to talk about this more in a moment. But that's certainly better structured in a small group than it is here on Sunday mornings. Have equal concern for one another. Carry one another's burdens. You don't know everybody's burdens in this room. You just don't. And, we, and honestly, as people share their burdens with pastors, man, they just pile up. And we carry them with them. That's part of the calling. But even looking around in this room, the burdens that some of you are, are carrying right now are so deep, it just crushes my, crushes my heart. And that's not a good thing for you to share with everybody. 
But it's a great thing, a great thing for you to share with a few trusted friends. You know, I, I spent some time at a mega church, and on one Sunday morning, we had a, uh, we did a survey. And one of the questions was, how many close friends do you have in the church? And the answers that they could choose from were zero, one, two, three, four, five, or more. And 60% of the congregation chose zero. Now, when I shared with the other pastors that I was deeply troubled, I was on staff there. When I shared with the other pastors, I was deeply troubled by that. They said, Michael, you, you just don't understand what it's like to be a part of a mega church like this. People just want to come in on Sunday mornings, do their religious thing, and go about their business. They just want to come in and sit through a service, be encouraged a little bit, and go about, what? Folks, I can't even wrap my head around a world where most of the people don't want friends. I, I don't get that. I, I understand, hey, I've been hurt by people. It's hard for me to trust people. I get it. I don't know that I want friends because every time I've trusted people in the past, they've stabbed me. In the back. Okay, I understand. You might be reluctant. But I just don't believe that we as human beings don't want to have people that are close to us that we can trust because God's created us for those relationships, folks. So community groups actually provide the perfect place to be the church to one another uh, in ways that Sunday morning does not. Two, it facilitates internal growth as a believer. It facilitates internal growth as a believer. Look at Ephesians 4.15. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. God's expectations of us, folks, are that we grow in every aspect of life until we reach the fullness of Jesus. In other words, until we're just like him, he expects us to grow in every area of life. Now, if you're like me, and I know that you are in some ways, all of us have areas of our life that we have pretty well under control. And we have other areas of our lives that we struggle with, that we have a hard time getting under control and then keeping under control once they are under control. But God expects us to grow in every area of life. Uh, part of the problem with coming on just on Sunday mornings is that you're going to hear the sermon that everybody gets. And, and, and for 20% or 30% or 40%, you might say, man, that was just for me today. Wow, that was, I needed to hear, that was really for me today. And for others, it's going to be, yeah, it didn't really touch on the things that I'm really struggling with or what I need to hear. Or, I mean, God's word always applies to all of us to, to some degree. But I'm talking about the things that are really specific to us. See, in a community group, I can share with people, hey, hey, my wife and I are, hey, we're really struggling with our finances. Can, can you guys help us? And somebody in that group who's ahead of us in that journey is going to say, yeah, man, I can help you. I can help you put together a budget, help you work. Okay, maybe somebody says, hey, listen, we just can't communicate. My wife and I, we, we just struggle in our communication. I mean, we love each other. We say we do, but man, we, we're like on two different planes. Well, that's part of being man and woman, but, but maybe somebody can help you uh, get those two planes a little closer. Uh, it facilitates that growth. In a large group, we're more about uh, teaching and preaching to the whole crowd, and there's always hopefully some application. But in a small group like a community group, it provides a better place to ask questions and, and learn and discuss how to apply biblical truth. Uh, let me give you an example. I'll say a person, a man who's a new Christian comes to church and, and he hears a, 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 a rip-roaring sermon on being honest. 
He's like, yeah, man, I just, I just need to be an honest guy. I need to not lie. I need to not deceive people. I just need to be honest in all of my relationships and dealings. Honesty, honesty, honesty. Then a few weeks later, he hears a, a great sermon on uh, how a man should be the provider to his family and where the scripture is very clear that if a man doesn't provide for his own family, he's worse than an unbeliever. And it's not just his wife and his children, but also his aging parents when the time comes. And so he hears this, this uh, a sermon and he's really in, intent on being a great provider for his family. Then his boss says, hey man, you got to do this thing and I need you to lie about some records here because I'm going to get in trouble if you don't. So you need to lie about some records here and you know, your job's kind of on the line here so you probably better do it. Now he goes, what do I do? How do I be honest? And if I'm honest, I'm going to lose my job and I can't provide for my family. I've got a moral dilemma here. What do I do? He doesn't maybe know how to apply God's word and how to think through other areas that might apply to this. Okay, and by the way, if in your mind you're thinking right now, well, I know what to do. It's, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? He should always be honest, and if he loses his job, God will take care of him. He's not being lazy. He's not, uh, you know, uh, just giving up on his family. Okay, but you know why you know that? Because somebody taught you that. Because somebody invested in you. Somebody helped you understand God's words and how to apply his principles. But folks, we're all at different places in our Christian journey. We're all at different places on our spir- in our spiritual lives. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17. It says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. This is a principle that we all have something that we can teach or share with someone else. If I or the other pastors here at Fellowship of Grace are the only ones who speak into your life, In other words, if we're the only voice that you have, you're the only voice that, we're the only voices that you listen to, folks, you're in danger. That's a dangerous place to be. Now, as your pastors, we we certainly should be a significant voice in your life. We certainly should be trusted and and be listened to, but we shouldn't be the only ones. That's kind of how cults get started, okay? Plus, in church like this, in the big group, you only receive. You don't get an opportunity to invest. We don't usually have a time at the end of the service where we say, okay, now uh, break up into small groups and all of you talk about it amongst yourselves and spend some time helping each other work through it. We don't do that. But community groups are a great place to do that. You see, you get to grow because other people invest in you and you get to let God use you to help grow others. Remember we talked about all those different areas of life? What I find fascinating is how God puts people in our lives that can help us in the time that we need them. There are times when Christians who have uh, been Christians a lot less time than I have can help me uh, to understand something, help me to realize something, and yet I can also invest in them. Folks, in community groups, you not only get to receive from several other godly voices, but you get the opportunity to be one of those godly voices, to invest in others how God has taught you and helped you to grow. Three, it encourages and equips you to reach out to others. Look at 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, 
always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Are you in a place where uh, no matter what anybody asks you about your spiritual life, you can give them some kind of valid answer? You, you can give them an answer that will either appease them or you'll know how to, uh, how to find the answer or where to go for the answer. That's what this verse is talking about. It's saying, listen, you need to always, that means, what that, what that word is, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, one of the things that we are doing in our community groups, first of all, we're meeting weekly this time. Uh, this nine-month period, we're meeting every week. We've met for the last couple of years every other week. And we found that that doesn't really provide the depth of relationship. Because if you miss one week, you know, you're not going to be there for three weeks. And you can't meet with people once a month and really build a deep relationship with them. You, you know, you just come to church if you're going to do that. So we're going to meet every week. And then also, once a month, within that context, we're going to share with you um, some ways that you can reach out to others in your, in your sphere of influence with the gospel of Christ. It's our job as pastors to help equip you, to help, help uh, give you the tools necessary so that you can talk to those who are still far from God about how they can know Jesus. Folks, we all have to be properly trained and equipped to have those kind of conversations. Doesn't mean you have to be a theologian, doesn't mean you have to go to seminary, uh, but you can't just always say, well, I believe it because I believe it. I just, yeah, I just believe it, that's it. You gotta be a little more savvy than that, all right? And so we wanna help you, we wanna train you. I I'm not convinced that we really believe the people in our lives who are far from God are really going to die and spend an eternity separated from him if they have rejected Christ. I'm not sure we really believe that. As I spend more and more time with uh, lost people, people who are far from God, they have this tendency to believe that everybody goes to heaven except the really, really bad people. No, the Bible says it's the opposite. We all deserve to go to hell for our sinfulness. We deserve that. We're all sinful, maybe at different levels, but we're all less than a holy God. But God, through his son, Jesus Christ, has given us a way to be forgiven of our sins, and we put our faith and trust in what he has done for us. So we need to be able to communicate that lovingly. See what it says there? Gentleness and respect. We, you know, we don't have any, like, kung fu moves of how to, you know, hit people in the throat with your Bible or do anything like that. It's, it, you, we don't do that around here. But you do need to have a conversation with them. Let them know that you love them. Listen, if we really believe that the people around us are going to spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell, that should motivate us to want to love them enough to share with them the way out. The way out. A few years ago, I got the opportunity to, um, a friend of mine knew this guy in the hospital. He had liver failure. He was, he was dying of liver disease. And uh, he wasn't a Christian. And this friend of mine asked me to come and talk to him. And I came and talked to him. And I shared the gospel with him. And uh, he, he prayed to receive Christ there. And he called his son uh, from that bed. And, and it was a very interesting conversation. 
He, he called him up and he said, hey, son, guess what? I found a way out. That was literally what he said. And his son was like, wow, they found a, a, a way to heal you? He goes, no, 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 not that. I found a way out of my predicament in life. He understood it so well. Folks, we need to share that with our, our friends and neighbors. And this is a great place where we can be reminded to pray for others. Uh, we can learn how better to love others and to minister to them. Uh, you know, when we built this lobby up here, when the, when the concrete got poured, we had a, a Sunday morning service where we all went in there as a, as a congregation and we asked you to write down the names of the people that are far from God in your life that you would love to see walk through those doors, uh, hear the gospel, be connected to other Christian people, find out we're kind of normal because they don't think that. And, and then, you know, hear the gospel, give their lives to Christ and have their life and their eternity changed. Have you prayed for them consistently? Have you prayed for them every week? You know, if you're in a community group where every week we talk about, hey, who are you praying for? That'll just remind you. It's just good for all of us, folks. We've got some things planned this fall to just gather people together. We're going to have several Chiefs Watch parties. I'm sure that'll be fun. And we're going to have a fall festival like we always do, a kind of a hayride thing. Uh, we got a couple of Christmas services, the week of Christmas. we got all kinds of things going on. And these things are going on not to just get us busy. Your lives are already busy enough. These are opportunities to bring somebody, have them hang out with us for a little while, and then talk to them more about the gospel. Talk to them more about how God loves them, how Jesus died for them. I can tell you that when I bring my friends around you all, my lost friends, and I bring them around you all, their first impression, every time when I, we walk out of whatever we're doing, I say, well, how was that? Was it, was it what you thought? They're like, no, these people are kind of normal. I mean, they're, they're like really nice. Now, that always makes me you know, I'm thinking like, well, if I'm their only point of context, what do they think about me? Were they, were they expecting more of me and you? I don't, know what, I don't know what they were expecting or how they got there. But here's what I know. They're always, always more accepting to the idea of coming and being a part of this church and hearing the gospel and receiving Christ as their Savior because they've spent time with you. Okay? Bring your lost friends to some of these things. And I'll stay away from them if I'm the weirdo, okay? And uh, it's just a way for us to do that, okay? So that's another really positive thing about community groups is it encourages and equips us to reach out to others. Finally, it's a natural part of being a church member. Folks, this is, this part of being a small group is so innate in being the church. We actually even have it in our member covenant. And I didn't want to go through a whole series of things. Even Jesus, if you look at Jesus' ministry in his life, he spent time with the masses, the big group. He spent time with the apostles, the small group, and then he, the community group. And then he spent time with uh, Peter, James, and John, his kind of inner circle, his confidants. We need those three uh, levels of relationships in our lives. Okay? You need the big group. You need to be here on Sunday mornings. You need to come consistently. You need to, to hear the word of God and be encouraged by others and, and get to know them and you know, all that kind of stuff. But we also need to be in these community groups where we can build relationships that are just deeper and more fundamental uh, to learning how to grow in our Christ-likeness. Now, I'm going to put this, uh, I'm going to put our church member covenant uh, on the screen here. All right, uh, but I'm going to put it on the screen. It's not inspired. I know we usually put up 
Bible verses, okay? This is not inspired, so I don't want anybody getting weird on me. This is, this is something that we do here at Fellowship of Grace. If you're a member, uh, you know that part of becoming a member at Fellowship of Grace is first to receive Christ as your Savior, uh, be baptized by immersion as a believer, and the third is to sign this member covenant. Now, I know that most of you probably have it framed in your home and you see it all the time, uh, but I just want to remind you of the last little part in this member covenant because if you're a member here, you actually signed this piece of paper. Uh, there at the bottom, if you see that, well, let me blow it up for you. It's a little bigger. Okay. It says there, participate. I'm committing to participate consistently within a community group where I will do life together with those in our community and be challenged to take my next steps in my relationship with Christ and with others. Folks, we think it's so important we think it's so important to do life with people that it's part of being a member here. I, I know there are churches in town where, you know, if you want to come and just be a spectator in the back row, come in, sit through the service, and then leave, you can do that forever till Jesus comes. And by the way, if you want to be an attender here, you can be an attender here till Jesus comes. We'll love you, we'll care for you, we'll be nice to you, all those things. But the moment you say, I want to plant my flag here, this is, this is going to be my church. I, I want to build, I want to have roots here. I want to have roots with these people in this place and, and be a part of this local body of Christ. Folks, we think it's important, really important, that you become a part of a community group where you can connect with people on a deeper level, where you can be a blessing to them and where they can be a deep blessing to you. So, I've done all this today to share with you why be in a community group, why it's important to be in a community group. I think it's critical to your spiritual life. Uh, if you're a member, you've already committed to it. So just when you say yes, do yes. And when you say no, do no. And you've already said yes, so go sign up. All right? If you're not a member, uh, maybe this is an opportunity. Get connected in a community group. Uh, get to meet some people. Build some relationships. Maybe that will help you to understand who we are a little better. And you can possibly decide if you want to become a member or not. And then when you sign the member covenant, you're already committed to a community group. You don't have to worry about it. All right? But I was thinking this morning as I was uh, working this morning, just finishing my thoughts, I thought uh, this is probably uh, not a good, good title for this sermon. You know, why be in a community group? Well, because it provides structure for being the church. It facilitates uh, internal growth as a believer. It'll encourage and equip us to reach out to others. And finally, it's a natural part of being a church member here at Fog because that's the way we facilitate community groups. But I thought it's per perhaps it wasn't the best question to ask. Perhaps the better question should have been, why not be in a community group? Why not be in a community group? Listen, I don't know anybody... I don't know anybody who says, I, I just have enough friends. I don't, I, don't, I don't need any more relationships. Got enough. I, I don't need people to love me. I don't need people who will care about me. I don't pe need people who will serve me when I'm uh, going through a bad time. I don't pe need people who will pray for me. I, you know, I'm just good. I, I just don't need anybody. And by the way, if you do think that, come talk to me. We need to talk about some other issues. All right? But folks, there's just no reason not to be in a community group. Now, before uh, you get the wrong impression, we're not a bunch of crazy legalists here, all right? Uh, we don't want to strong arm you. We don't want to uh, uh, guilt you. 
We want you to be in community groups because we believe it's for your benefit. And there are seasons of life that you go through uh, where it makes it almost impossible. Maybe you, you just got a job uh, where you have to work nights for a year before you can get on a day shift. And you might not be able to work into a community group. We understand that. Those things, are, those things happen. Uh, maybe you just had a baby and you're trying to figure out how to, you know, it feels like moving just to come to church on Sunday mornings. And you're trying to figure all that out and you just can't figure out how to, okay, there's a season of life. But listen, when you go through those seasons, I think it's really important when you start it to say, hey, I, I just can't do this. Maybe you're caring for uh, elderly parents and you just can't do it right now. Great. You, you need to say, hey, listen, I'm going to take, take a break for three months and I'm going to, I'm going to, but I'm going to, there's going to be a time when I come back. Because you know what? If you don't do that, you're going to take a break for three months and that's going to turn into six months, which is going to turn into nine months, which will turn into two years. And, and five years from now, you'll look back and go, now what, why did I stop going to community group? Here's the other thing. We know as people come and begin to participate at Fellowship of Grace and, and think about becoming members and that kind of thing, even, maybe even become members, if they don't get involved in a community group or a, a serving team, uh, probably in about six months, they'll start fading. They'll start missing church and they'll slowly and eventually fade away. And we'll go, hey, has anybody seen the Smiths lately? I, I don't think they come here anymore. Well, I haven't seen them for three months. They just kind of fade away. But here's what I do know. If you'll come and get involved in a community group, build some really deep relationships, just be a little transparent, be a little friendly in that group, get to know those people, you're going to feel a deep connection. And it's not going to be for just those 10 or 12 people. It's going to be for this whole body. And then when you go through a rough time, you're going to have 200 people praying for you. You're going to have 200 people trying to figure out how to bless you, how to minister to, to you. And I think we all want that. Reality is, many of us want to minister to others. That's why we're here. But the reality is, all of us could find ourselves in a situation based on circumstances tomorrow that we are the ones that need to be ministered to. And when you are in a church, and when you are deeply connected, and when you're in a community group, folks, you have that support all the time. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We are so thankful for the truth that is in it, for the principles that it teaches us. Father, we are so grateful that you uh, created us to have relationships. God, help us to grow our relationships with you and with one another. Father, thank you for this church and for the uh, way that we've set up community groups to bless our congregation. Father, help us to overcome whatever... Um, reasons that we have for hesitating. Help us to overcome those and realize that this is important to our spiritual lives. It's important to the spiritual lives of our families. It's important to the uh, spiritual health of this church. God, help us to uh, become really involved in people's lives so that we can bless them and minister to them, so that we can really fulfill who you created us to be. God, we thank you, and we pray that you will bless our community groups as they start meeting in a couple of weeks. Bless our leaders, bless our host homes. Uh, God, help us to just minister to the people that are here and to reach out to those who are still far from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.